Hey there, welcome to the Cultivated Family Podcast. I'm Megan Hillica, and this is where we dive into grief and loss and all that I've learned through the loss of my daughter, Aria. I want to share tools and the things I've learned along the way to help me carry my grief, along with interviews and stories of other people who have experienced pain and heartache in their life, and how we can, as friends, support one another through our tough times so that we can have the joys again as well. You are not alone, my friend, so let's dive in. You're listening to episode number seven on the Cultivated Family Podcast. Today, I want to share a helpful way of looking at grief that I learned right soon after Aria died that has been amazingly helpful for me. Before I dive into that, next week's guest is going to be sharing about the work she does helping postpartum mothers with anxiety and depression and bridging the gap between high level of care and lower level of care and supporting them where they're at. So I found this story or this old man's words right after Aria died. I remember sitting in the trailer at my mom and dad's house that Justin and I were staying in and I read this story and his words And I have held on to these words ever since because I think they displayed so accurately to me what grief is like. And it was, it felt so important for me to have read those words in those moments. So I want to share them with you. They're not mine. I have found so much help and comfort and then knowing that this is kind of what grief is like. This is kind of what I'm going to be walking through knowing that in advance, and then being able to just see it. And now that I've lived it, I know that they're accurate and they're real. And it just gave me a very, very good way of looking at grief. So this response is someone's response to someone on Reddit that had asked that my friend just died and I don't know what to do. And it went viral and maybe you've heard it, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. I just really want to read it because it was so, so helpful for me. So maybe it will be helpful for you. I'm old. What that means is that I've survived so far and a lot of people I've known and loved did not. I've lost friends, best friends, acquaintances, coworkers, grandparents, mom, relatives, teachers, mentors, students, neighbors, and a host of other folks. I have no children and I can't imagine the pain it must be to lose a child, but here's my two cents. And this is just a side note from me that even though he hasn't lost a child, I really believe this, his way of describing grief is real for all grief. I wish I could say you get used to people dying, but I never did. I don't want to. It tears a hole through me whenever somebody I love dies, no matter the circumstances, But I don't want it to not matter. I don't want it to be something that just passes. My scars are a testament to the love and the relationship I had for and with that person. And if the scar is deep, so was the love. So be it. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are a testament that I can love deeply and live deeply and be cut or even gouged and that I can heal and continue to live and continue to love. And the scar tissue is stronger than the original flesh ever was. Scars are a testament to life. 
Scars are only ugly to people who can't see. As for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more, and all you can do is float. You find some piece of the wreckage and you hang on for a while. Maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. For a while, all you can do is float. Stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are 100 feet tall and crash over you without mercy. They come 10 seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still 100 feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe. You can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything, and the waves come crashing. But in between waves, there is life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you find that the waves are only 80 feet tall, or 50 feet tall. And while they still come, they come further apart. You can see them coming. An anniversary, a birthday, or Christmas or landing at O'Hare, you can see it coming, for the most part, and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will again come out the other side, soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of the wreckage, but you'll come out. Take it from an old guy, the waves never stop coming, and somehow you don't really want them to. But you learn that you'll survive them, and other waves will come, and you'll survive them too. If you're lucky, you'll have lots of scars from lots of loves and lots of shipwrecks. I really love this description of grief. I feel like it gives a good picture of, in the beginning, that you can hardly stand up. You can hardly see up from down. It's hard to even try to think straight and Your energy, your brain, everything is drained. That's kind of like the waves crashing over you. You can't get up. They just keep coming and coming and coming, and you don't know when they're going to stop. You can't see hope. You can't see any, any way forward. You're just trying to survive and trying to get through the next wave. And I have found over time, especially when I've allowed myself to grieve and kind of be there and, and when you stop fighting the wave so much and you kind of allow yourself to grieve and allow it to be a part of you, that it gets easier and you can float in those waves and those crashing and you start to realize that, okay, when you stand up, that you're like, wow, I made it through that. And then you get crashed down again and it's pretty depressing and it feels like you're going backwards and it feels like you you are going to never get over this or never be able to live functionally. And then you stand up again and you're like kind of surprised that my legs are still, still work. I can still get up because you can't even fathom that after you lose a child that you would be able to stand up. And I like that he talks about the scars are a testament to life. I think that's something I've learned a lot that 
I would take Aria back in a heartbeat. I know you would take your child back in a heartbeat. But that the scars and the grief that we carry is the love that we have for our child. It doesn't mean you have to be done grieving. It doesn't mean that the grief ever goes away. It doesn't mean that you're a bad mom or you're forgetting your child if you laugh or if you're able to live life for a little bit. I think grief is our love for our child and it's our way of remembering them and it's our way of holding on to them and loving them. And as he describes that those waves become a little bit less further apart, a little bit less often, and in between the crashes there is life, there is hope, there can be joy, there can be happiness, but there is also that grief. It's still there, still walks with us, and it comes crashing sometimes when we don't know, sometimes when we're not expecting it, and Sometimes we can prepare, like he said, for anniversaries or holidays that we know that they can be harder. But these waves get less often and less frequent, and that has been true for me, that I think the first day that you don't cry or I didn't cry was like a surprise, like what? I didn't cry all day today? That's weird, because right away it was so frequent for me, and then all of a sudden, the days you don't, and all of a sudden you realize it's been a week, and that's painful too, because then you kind of feel like you're forgetting them or moving on, or how come I didn't cry today? And I think it doesn't mean that you are forgetting them or moving on, but you're learning how to live with grief and maybe accept the reality of what has happened. And then I just, sometimes there's only so many tears you can cry. And maybe you feel like you cried and cried and you can't feel like you can cry anymore and all of a sudden you can cry more. And it it's exhausting. It's a lot. So if those days come where you can stand up and you can maybe smile about something, embrace it, enjoy it, and allow it to be there because I... Grief will come back. It just does. It will come back throughout our whole lives. But the other thing I wanted to mention was that I don't ever want these waves to stop. These waves of grief. Now as time has gone on for me, as it's been, the waves have gotten further apart. When they come, it's a reminder to me that I do still love Arya. I still miss her. She's still a part of my life and I want those waves. I want that reminder of that she was here because I can also ask that, did I really bury a child? Did I really have her? Was she really here? Was she really part of our life? And that grief reminds me that she was here, that I loved her, that I still love her. And so I don't ever want them to go away. And so you don't need to fear that you will forget your child. I think that's a big fear. Or that other people tell you to move on or to get over it. You don't get over it, but you can learn to carry it and it can become a part of you. And you can learn how to live without your child. No matter how hard that sounds, it can be possible. But it doesn't mean that you 
you are forgetting them or that you have moved on. So that's something I've embraced with this this story is that the scars are what we get when we live on this earth and we and when we take the risk and love others and it's hard to see it as a beautiful thing and sometimes I don't know it's hard to describe that this is part of our life and now that I have lost a child this is these are the scars the scars of the love that I hold for Arya and I'm not going to get rid of those scars because it shows the love I had for her and the scars you have are the love you have for your child too so I hope this was helpful I hope this analogy and talking about the waves of grief helps you see it in a little bit different way that the waves will always come but they start to lessen they start to come further apart they can especially if you take an active role in your grief and try to work through your emotions and allow yourself to be there and if we stop fighting the waves and allow them to wash over us so I love analogies and I love the way of being able to kind of logically look at grief when grief feels so crazy and uncontrollable, but being able to kind of put it in a context where you can maybe understand it just a little bit. If this was helpful, let me know because I I have a lot more analogies of grief that I really love, but this one has stuck with me so much and I learned about it. I read about it right away when Aria died, so it's definitely been important for me. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Cultivated Family Podcast. While this episode is over, you can continue to join me in conversation on Instagram or Facebook at Cultivated Family. I would love to see you there.